afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up, guys? And welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Wojak with Luke Smith here. And first and foremost... Happy game week to all of you. We haven't seen Notre Dame take the field for a real live football game since the first day of 2021, and pretty much two plays into that game. I think everyone started looking ahead to this one coming up this weekend, and now we're just a few days away. Um, Notre Dame is set to take on unranked Florida State this Sunday on primetime, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at Doe Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. The Irish are currently favored by 7.5 with the over-under around 55.5. So the odds makers in Vegas are predicting something along the lines of a 31-24 to Notre Dame victory. Today, we're going to break down what we expect to see on both sides of the ball and then give you some players to look out for on Florida State, and we'll wrap with some score predictions. Luke, being our official road correspondent, you will be making the trek to Florida to watch this game in person. Now that we're just a few days away, how would you rate your excitement level um, to finally get this season rolling? I'm very excited. Uh, I mean, it's kind of remarkable to me that we're at this point. Like I've looked at Labor Day as something that's been off in the distance for a while, and now it's it's here. Um, I, I mean, we'll see what Tallahassee's like, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not like really that keyed into that it's going to be that rabid of an environment. I think Florida State fans are kind of out on the program right now, but I could be sorely mistaken. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. I'm definitely excited to get down there and, and, and take it all in. I definitely think there's going to be a pretty like everyone's you know undefeated right now. I think the fans are pretty excited, and this kind of reminds me of when we were in Clemson before the Cotton Bowl in yeah the start of 2019. <laughs> okay, and the days no. leading up, no, okay, but the days leading up, we we're like, wow, there's like no Clemson fans here at all. Like they maybe maybe they're just bored with it. And then you walked in to Jerry World, and it's maybe more Clemson fans than Notre Dame. It was a real rude awakening. That's how we should have known the game was going to go south right when we walked in. Okay, but that's a team that had won a national championship two years beforehand. Like, that's a little bit different. Florida State, I think, is a little bit more down on its look than people realize. They've also lost four straight season openers, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, Also, though, something I didn't take into account until the day – Everybody's heard of the dead mascot game. Well, this is a dead coach game. Like, I, I forgot that Bobby Bowden passed away very recently. So that could be a, an emotional rallying cry for the Seminole faithful. And speaking of which, uh, we've actually brought on a new writer on board, Jameson Cook, student writer. And so we're really excited to have that on. And he's currently working on a piece that that talks about or speculates what sort of effect the legend of Bobby Bowden might have on this game. So look for that later this week. I think it's going to be a fun one. But I don't know. Um, like, I'm really not that keyed into thinking that this is going to be a crazy environment. Like, they'll play the Seminole War chant or whatever a million times. I'm sure I'll get sick of that. But I've been listening to it myself just to get ready for that a million <laughs> no, times. No, you have not. You have not. Oh, it's like that. probably my most played song on Spotify this week. So you prob- you like it. You clearly yeah, like honestly. It. You're not- 
Yeah, okay. I actually it's, like it too. Like, I think I, it's, I think it's kind of sweet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> now that we're getting that out of the way, we both like it. Um, yeah. Shout out Jameson Cook, first student writer. Happy to have him on board, and he'll come on the show from time to time, so you'll get a chance to hear from him. But very excited to have current student on board. Also, a big announcement that some of you might have already seen on our social media accounts last week. And for those of you listening that don't follow us already, you definitely should at Sons of Sat Irish on Twitter and Instagram. We've officially secured our first NIL partnership with a player. Um, really excited about this. This one is with senior captain Kurt Heinisch. And we put out a shirt that reads South Bend Bad Boys in the front. And on the back, it's got our logo and a quote that Kurt said at a recent press conference that is honestly just so awesome. I'll play it out for you now. We're just some some bad, violent dudes up front that know how to use our hands and we're mean and, and we're nasty. And we're, we're just we're some dangerous individuals up front. And that's been instilled within us from, you know, Coach Elston and, and all the way from Marcus Freeman and, and the safeties behind us. Like on defense, we're a bad, we're a bad bunch of dudes. And when you show up, when we show up to your field, you're gonna feel us, no doubt. That gets me so jacked up every time. Basically, when Luke and I first heard that, we knew we needed to put it on a shirt somehow. Then I got my friend Andrew Walker to help execute the design. So shout out to him for doing that. And now they're available on our website. To buy one, just go to sonsofsaturday.com slash Irish. Then click on the tab that says store, and it will be the first item that pops up. So definitely go check those out if you haven't already. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to add that I know that the bad boys of South Bend are going to be out for blood in Tallahassee this Sunday night to make up for that fucking bullshit offensive pass interference call the last time we were down there. Even though, the more that I think about it, the only members of the current Notre Dame Irish team, staff, or players combined that were probably involved in that are Kelly Elston and like, I don't know, David Grimes, maybe like it's like, it's pretty much an entire staff overhaul from seven years ago, but still I haven't forgotten. I know Brian Kelly probably hasn't either. So they're going to be off the blood. I definitely haven't forgotten it either. They put that game on ESPN classic the other day and I saw, or maybe not ESPN classic, but whatever it was on TV. And I saw that and it's just so upsetting every single yeah, time. I, it's literally the most angry I've ever been about any game. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, since the last time we uh, had one of these, there's been some news, some unfortunate news. Uh, linebacker Maris Leofile broke his leg during fall camp. Um, it's been described as somewhat of a freak accident, but that injury required season-ending surgery. Um, all the reports around him coming out of camp were great. He was projected to start at the Will linebacker. So tough blow there, but I think we even mentioned this in the last podcast that you know you never want season-ending injuries to happen, but the depth at the linebacker position and running back position, it's – the deepest on the roster, probably, so it's still very unfortunate. You feel terrible for uh, Leofile, but um, Notre Dame's got some guys back there that can help uh, step in and fill what Leofile was going to do. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because it sounded like Maris had just had an incredible camp and was looking to be maybe the breakout player of that defense. But as you mentioned, Notre Dame does have a fair amount of depth there, and it seems like it's probably going to be a, a situation at Rover now, which is – similar to kind of the situation they had at at the one linebacker spot last year where it was kind of just like playing whoever's hot or you might have a specific game. I think we saw at Rover that Jack Kaiser, Shane Simon, and Paul Malala are all listed as co-starters, which is interesting, but I think three pretty talented guys who've all kind of had their moments. Obviously, Malala's coming off an injury where he missed all of last season, but Shane Simon was pretty big in Clemson round one last year, and Jack Kaiser was incredible in that I guess it was that uh, USF game. So yep. we'll see. Uh, the game I mean, ball. 
Yeah, he did. Uh, I think it's just like he's like the white guy that knows how to play the option offenses. So look for him. Maybe he'll be like the the Navy game guy, but I don't know. But we'll see. Like you said, it wouldn't be an offseason without a, a significant injury. I don't know that he's ever made it out of one without one. So it was bound to happen. Um, I got a couple of texts about it when it happened and nobody specified who the name was. And I wasn't like around my computer. So that was not great to find out. Not that I was wishing it upon anyone, but that was not the guy I was hoping it would be. So um, we'll see. But uh, I mean, that's uh, just the nature of the sport. Yeah. New defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman has talked a lot about how the linebackers, that's his position group, obviously, in addition to being the defensive coordinator. He's got a lot of guys back there. Now he just has to figure out who's playing where, but it looks like we're going to be seeing J.D. Bertrand at the will, uh, Drew White and Bo Bauer substituting at the Mike linebacker, and then Jack Kaiser starting at Rover. But other than that, no real big surprises on the Notre Dame depth chart. Offense, exactly how you'd expect, and defense, that was really the only surprise to me. And the specialists, um, nothing really to note there. So now I think we can move on to Florida State. And Luke, we can start with you when Florida State has the ball on offense. What do you expect to see? So first things first, they released their depth chart yesterday without a starting quarterback listed. Uh, That seems problematic six days prior to the opener. Why do Uh, coaches still do that? Like, I don't so know. Annoying. I guess I guess they didn't watch the Notre Dame Texas game in 2016. Is Notre Dame just going to be fooled? They bring Jordan Travis out, who literally started against Notre Dame last year, and then Mackenzie Milton, who they have tape on from UCF. It that just makes no sense to me. There's some weird stuff going on there. I, I mean, I'm assuming both are going to play, but I know that Milton sat out a couple practices and scrimmages, so like it makes you wonder how healthy he really is. I have also been in the camp the entire time that I don't get why they wouldn't start Jordan Travis. He actually gave Notre Dame some problems last year. Like, I don't put a ton of stock into that, given that it was a weird game for Notre Dame coming off a COVID pause, and it'll be an entirely new defensive scheme. But if you looked at his stats, like 13-24 for 204 yards with a score and a pick and also ran for 96 yards and a touchdown, I think the most enduring moment of that is when he got absolutely leveled by JOK, which I think is probably what people remember the most from that game. But he gave Notre Dame some issues last year, and I was impressed with him coming out of that game. I mean, he's the reason we didn't cover. So (laughs) another thing, like, about Mackenzie Milton, like, don't get me wrong, I'm glad he didn't lose his leg, but I I hate that guy. Uh, Like, going back to 2018 when he was at UCF, and he claimed that they were better than Notre Dame because they beat Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh by more, and, of course, Narduzzi fed into that, saying UCF was the best team we played all year, which is just an absolutely ridiculous statement. Like a Notre Dame UCF game in 2018 would have been Notre Dame Syracuse of that year 2.0. We would have shredded them, and and maybe Nebraska would be thanking us because they wouldn't have gone off and hired Scott Frost because that was Frost last year at UCF, right? Yeah, 2018. It's been going real well for him in Nebraska. Yeah, I mean he's probably going to get fired before this next month's up. So go figure. But going back to go ahead, I was just going to say like the ultimate feel good story in college football this season, and you just despise him if they. Well, I guess I was going to say Tom Rinaldi would definitely do a segment on him on game day, but he's not at ESPN anymore. He's on Fox. I was going to say you yeah. don't have to sit through that and be pissed. I saw some tweet last week where it was like like the stat card for Tom Rinaldi. Cause I guess he, I didn't watch Fox last week, but it was like Tom Rinaldi 2021 scorecard, one death, zero cancer, because I guess the storyline was about death instead of cancer, something like that. So that's pretty par for the course with him, but – Going back to Travis, uh, as I looked more into Florida State, he led them in carries, yards per carry, and rushing touchdowns last year. So 
maybe not a, a great reflection of that Knowles offensive line, which does return pretty much everybody, but also has the guy starting who literally left Notre Dame after spring ball because there wasn't a place for him. So that's one thing. You also got to consider that Notre Dame's defensive line might be the strength of its defense. So that seems like it could be a mismatch. I know that uh, Jamie Uyama pointed this out, but there's only one Florida State offensive lineman in their two deep who is a four or five star, and that guy's a backup. So they don't have, I guess, at least a highly touted offensive line. And quite frankly, they've been horrible the last four years, and especially last year they were really, really bad. Um, they, they struggled on offense as a whole last year, finished 73rd in yards per play. Like I said, they did have a terrible night against Notre Dame, but I just thought that was kind of a weird night and, and a different defense. And like, it, it's just one of those things where when you look at Florida State's roster, there just aren't really many household names. Like, it's pretty forgettable. Um, Lawrence is Toafili is the lead back, and then they have a transfer from Auburn, DJ Williams, who showed some flashes when when he was at Auburn, but they're just not really like household names at receiver. You have a transfer from Kansas, Andrew Parchment. He's a solid receiver. And then Ontario Wilson is the the leading receiver, had a shade under 400 yards last year. I I just – I guess I I don't really think they have the athletes that maybe I even thought they did and it just – the coaching wasn't there. But it doesn't really seem like they're just that talented on the offensive side of the ball compared to what I was expecting. You do have to consider that Mike Norvell got the best of Marcus Freeman twice in 2018, actually in back-to-back weeks when Norvell was at Memphis and uh, Freeman was at Cincy. But I I think Freeman, on the converse, is working with a different caliber of athlete these days. So we'll see what that looks like. But I I just think ultimately this comes down to the line. Like They were awful last year and have been the last four years. And part of the reason why Travis ended up with so many yards on the ground against the Irish last year is because he was under duress pretty much every other snap. And we just missed sacks and tackles. So that was a big thing. Um, I guess from Notre Dame's perspective, I'm probably most eager to see how they look at cornerback because – like I said, like these guys aren't household names, but I think they still have speed. It's a test, and like we just don't have a ton of depth at cornerback. So I'm interested to see what that looks like, and I'm also interested just to see how the linebackers are rotated in and out. But I think ultimately Florida State's offensive line is going to be its undoing, and just the fact that Notre Dame is more talented across the board on defense than, than, than Florida State is on offense. Yeah, Florida State's getting points. It's certainly not going to be – a bunch of 12 to 14 play drives where they're like imposing their will. It'd have to be like a blown coverage or just maybe a big play on the outside or a deep shot, or maybe Notre Dame turns it over, things like that. Um, Yeah, Jordan Travis almost has to play, right? It'd be ridiculous if he didn't, because like you said, he was their most effective rusher last year by a pretty large margin, even if he was, you know, obviously the ball's in his hands every play at quarterback. But if they play Milton and if he's sitting out, practices, scrimmages, it seems almost like unsafe to play him for the entire yeah. game. And look at JT Daniels, obviously not as significant of an injury, but Daniels didn't really start playing a lot for Georgia until the latter half of the season, got his legs underneath him, and then really took off there. Milton's had significantly more time to recover, granted more serious injury, but I wouldn't be surprised if they switch back and forth, although I don't really remember that ever being successful in a game. And you've already mentioned Notre Dame in 2016 against Texas, like, an absolute disaster in every way. Yeah. I think the only time I, there were a couple of uh, Everett, Tommy Rees tandems where I actually think maybe it was like Pitt where Everett got benched and then Tommy got benched and Everett came back in and won the game. But that's, uh, that's pretty much the only time I can ever remember that working. So 
Um, so go I'm figure. sure it wasn't planned that way. No, no, I'm no. sure they didn't want that to be the case. If you, what's the saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I think yeah. that's that's pretty uh, – stands the test of time. Yeah, definitely. All right, on the other side of the ball, Florida State might have had the worst defense <laughs> ever. Um, pretty impressively bad, actually. They might have been the worst in the history of the program. I think they finished 107th in the country in team defense. They gave up 43 touchdowns in nine games. In the Notre Dame game, I mean, hell, they ran for 353 yards, and they might have run like four different rushing plays. It was the same thing over and over and over in Notre Dame's offensive line and running backs. Just had their way with them. Williams had 19 carries for 185 yards, two touchdowns. Tyree had 11 carries for 103 yards. Book added some as well. It was just an, it was dominant. It's absolutely dominant. You have to figure that they will get better this year because they can't possibly get any worse. <laughs> the surprising thing, though, last year is they actually returned their top five D linemen from the year before. This year, different circumstance. Luke, you've already mentioned a couple transfers that are coming over to Florida State. That seems to be the theme of this entire roster. Um, mm-hmm. They were super active. I don't know if there's a program who was more active in the transfer portal than Florida State. Um, this year, Florida State only returns one starter on the D-line, but they picked up a few transfers led by Jermaine Johnson. He transferred from Georgia, had five sacks last year, despite being um, pretty much exclusively a pass rusher. He's not an every-down defensive lineman. They also added Keir Thomas and safety Jamie Robinson from South Carolina. Robinson, he was second on the team at South Carolina in tackles that season. He's expected to play like a nickel linebacker role this year. In the defensive backfield, they lose Asante Samuel, who was you know, their lone stud. He was drafted in the second round by the Chargers. They added more transfers. Uh, Sharkeys McLellian from Arkansas and Brandon Moore from UCF. Neither of those guys are projected to start, but will add some depth to the backfield. Like I said, worst defense maybe in the history of the program last year. Really hard to imagine it'll get worse. They've got some new faces, some transfers all around the board, which then sort of like, you know, begs the question. If Notre Dame picks up a grad transfer quarterback and grad transfer lineman who are, you know, if we're looking at how they performed at their previous schools, better than these guys. <laughs> but, like, that's going to be a negative for Notre Dame. That's some of, the, like, the national media outlook on Notre Dame that I don't understand. Yeah. Like the same logic that's applied on one side is not applied to the other. It's just not very consistent. So these new faces on Notre Dame's side, okay, well, Yes, Notre Dame will probably be sluggish as they get inserted, but why can't that also be the same for Florida State? I know it's defense, a little bit less responsibility than like the quarterback, but still, I don't know. That part really frustrates me because, to be honest, at the end of last season, Florida State only had 50 scholarship players because a lot of guys quit. The season was miserable. The COVID, like everything. They went three and six. Yeah. And they went like a month without playing a game at one point too. Yeah, so a lot of them left. They are like, screw this, I'm out. And now this year, plenty of new faces. I don't really know what to expect from this defense other than it has to be better. Like, it it, it can't be worse. I mean, well, if their best player last year on defense was Asante Samuel Jr., who got torched in that game by Javon McKinley, I I don't know what that really (laughs) says about the defense. Um, No offense to Javon McKinley, but that's just kind of what I'm saying. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, also, like the Georgia guy, he started – four games in two years there. Uh, like, they rotate a lot, so that doesn't mean as much. But everything I understand about him, he's really good in run support. He went to Florida State because he wanted to be the guy and get more sacks. But, like, 
I don't think he was necessarily like this killer stud guy at Georgia. Like he played their scheme well, but I don't think that like he came to Florida State looking to be that guy. So we'll see what that looks yeah. like. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. How can they possibly be worse? I don't know. But but like we haven't even you mentioned him alluded to him. We haven't even mentioned Jack Cohn by name yet, which is crazy because I think it's just like accepted to us that yeah, he's gonna go out there and like play pretty well, probably. Like just like and but for whatever reason, Notre Dame having a transfer grad student quarterback is or a grad transfer quarterback is is a bad thing. So I, I don't know. Um it's the narr- the narratives don't align. But I think it's a lot of it with the national media is that like they're just not ready to accept that Notre Dame is good again for whatever reason. Like they're just they won't do that. Like it's like they're just expecting things to fall off a cliff. And I'm sure that that's probably true for some older Notre Dame fans as well. But like, they just can't accept it. Like, yeah, they're, they're just good and stable. This is what they do, but whatever. Yeah. I I think, first of all, I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame struggles with this defense, but if they're struggling, I would attribute it more to struggles on their side of the ball, whether, you know, mental mistakes, maybe a turnover or something, because all these things being said with four new starters on the offensive line, a new quarterback and unproven receivers, I think some sluggishness is to be expected. And that's totally fine. Like, I don't think Florida State is going to come out here and shut Notre Dame down with like scheme and just by outplaying them. It's going to be mostly self-inflicted on Notre Dame's part. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame, at least early on struggles to get the ball moving. But once they figure out, figure it out and you know, the offensive line is more in sync and Notre Dame is just clearly a better team top to bottom, both sides of the ball. And I don't think there's really any disputing that. We've talked a lot about these transfers. You're not going to be the best player on a good team and transfer to a 3-6 and six team. All these guys that we just mentioned transferred because they probably weren't getting enough time at the place that they were at previously right? and then left for more playing time and a better opportunity, which is totally fine and acceptable. But I think that's you know something that we need to remember when mentioning all these transfers on both sides of the ball, regardless of how much they're playing. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of, I mean, we haven't even talked about it yet, but the whole Bishop Sycamore thing, because I saw some tweet this morning where it's like, imagine being like 21 years old and like thinking that you're not playing somewhere because of coaching or politics, and then you just get humbled by a bunch of 16-year-olds. Like, that has to be one of the more humbling experiences ever. Uh, I don't know. I'm still laughing about that video about that defensive tackle playing quarterback last year, Um, but... if you're not familiar with the Bishop Sycamore story, please just, look it up. It, yeah, we can't do an adequate description. You have to go online, read about it. In summary, this high school team, and I'm using quotes when I say high school team, in Ohio is where they said they were. Basically, it's been running like a fake deal that for the past two years. They've played some premier programs in Ohio and now on a national stage. This past week, they played IMG Academy, a football factory in Florida, and got absolutely housed on ESPN, <laughs> 58 to nothing. And IMG called off the dogs midway through the second quarter. It could have been worse. You had the commentators going, this is a health and safety issue. We were told there were Division One starters on this team, or there are Division One prospects on this team. We could not verify any of it. It's an absolute shit show. So please go read it, look it up, because it's honestly one of the craziest sports <laughs> stories I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I saw another tweet. Like, I don't know how they didn't know this. They should have just watched the tape of them playing St. Ignatius last year, and it literally shows like a defensive tackle playing quarterback for this school. Like, I think I sent the video to you. Yeah. This guy is probably like six five, like three twenty, playing quarterback. 
<laughs> Looks like yeah. Jared Lorenzen. So, yeah. I'm looking at Florida State's roster. I do not see any Bishop Sycamore <laughs> former players, but something to keep keep a lookout for. Yeah. All right. Should we get into predictions? Yeah. You go first. All right. So I've gone back and forth with how I think this game will go. Um, I think uh, initially I was probably just like a little bit nervous, just as you are as a start of any season, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And like, I know that that probably contradicts everything I've been saying. Like, how can these national media idiots say like, we're going to lose four games. But I think especially night one, like on the road, you just like, you don't know, but I've only grown in confidence with how I feel about this game, especially as the offense has seemingly come on as camp went on and, and, you know, practice leading up to this game. I think ultimately Florida state's just terrible. Uh, I think Notre Dame comes out and looks explosive on offense. Tommy Reese with a full offseason in spring camp to create a playbook, which he did not have at all last year. And by the way, he should actually have healthy actual receivers now. I think that's going to lead to an explosion. Uh, the line remains a worry for me, and I do think you'll see some shakiness. But ultimately, they're just better than what FSU has. And, and I just – I don't, I'm not sold that this atmosphere is going to be that raucous. Like I think Notre Dame goes down, scores a touchdown on the first drive and it's pretty much over. Like I, I just, I do. Um, I'm going, I'm going 42, 14 Irish. Like I, I don't think it's close at all. Um, and I, like, I just don't really get this line seven and a half. I'm not complaining about it, but it opened what at it ten opened and a half. nine, 10 and a half. It went all the way down to seven and a half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was um, months ago. That was in May, but I don't know how much has changed. Exactly. Like, if anything, Notre Dame's only gotten better. So go figure. But last year, we were favored by like 20 and a half. We only won that one by 16. But if you like, if you look at those numbers, basically that's saying it's 18 and a half on a neutral field last year. And then if you take home field into consideration this year, that means it's really about a 10 and a half point line. I don't get how you can argue that FSU bridged the gap eight points from everything we've seen. I just, I don't get that. I like, I know Notre Dame lost guys, but that just doesn't make any sense. Like I think seven and a half is frankly disrespectful to everything Notre Dame's done in the last four years. And I think they hammer them. So uh, I'm not complaining about the line. My bank account will thank people in <laughs> Vegas, but I'm going 42, 14 Irish. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think any program has had a more epic fall from grace than maybe, uh, SMU after the death penalty. Florida State went 59-9 and from 2012 to 2016. Two BCS appearances, one national championship. And then since then, they have just been simply god-awful. Just 21-26 and 26 ever since then. And this is supposed to be the year where um, they start to turn things around. Second year under Mike Norvell. First non-COVID, so first regular season under Mike Norvell. So... I mean, like he almost didn't early. get a yeah. he almost didn't get a first year. Remember, because players were yes. ready to quit last fall camp. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been so bad there, but you know, apparently the culture is changing. Things are slowly starting to turn around, um, and I could see that happening. I could see this team going, you know, seven and five this year and being slightly less horrible than the year before. <laughs> um, but they're not winning this game. Like I said, Notre Dame is clearly a better team, top to bottom. That's going to be on display, especially in the second half. But look, like I've been saying, I expect Notre Dame to come out a little sluggish early, and that's totally fine. It's happened a lot in recent season openers. I think the last time Notre Dame just absolutely housed the season opener was Rice. And maybe before that, it was uh, the Colin Kaepernick-led Nevada Wolfpack in 2009. Wow. you're forgetting Texas in 2015. Oh, yeah, that's true. Texas was a season opener. I always forget that. Yeah, yeah. they housed Texas. Okay, so that would be great. We know it's possible. Um, but I just 
given all the things I just mentioned earlier, four new starters, offensive line, new quarterback, unproven receivers. We've been through this over and over. Um, I just think that the first half is going to be slow, mostly self-inflicted. And it rarely, you know, if ever works in a way where this brand new team will come out just firing on all cylinders. But hey, I could be wrong. I do expect the environment to be a little rocking more so than you think just because it is the yeah, season open it's I don't sunday it's just like it's a you, night game i know but like if you look at that like jimbo fisher left basically because they don't have like it's a pretty poorly funded program that's why they've fallen off yeah. so much which is surprising compared to what you would think from a team that like what didn't they finish in the top five 14 years in a row under bobby bowden which is an insane stat yeah and they've really kind of fallen off like it's just I think the fan base is a little bit tuned out. Now, I understand it's week one and everybody's undefeated, but I just like – like I've I've gone to a lot of road games and typically I'm pretty wary of what it's going to be like. This one I'm just like not really, and maybe that's my own naivety. And with my luck, it'll turn into like fucking <laughs> Miami 2017. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I, I just don't think so. I really don't. Yeah, you know who it's going to be exciting for? It's going to be the students who are back on campus and have a whole Sunday of drinking and no class <laughs> on Monday. They will get up for the game. I don't know if the players, but they'll be up for yeah. the game early. Of course, Notre Dame always has class on Labor Day, so that's because uh, they that ignore f- federal holidays for whatever reason. I assume um, Florida State does not have it, but yeah, 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 they'll be out. They'll be you know rocking early, and Florida State always does this, where like they'll talk a ton of trash early. The players, except that one cold game in uh, South Bend <laughs> in 2018. They w- wanted to be out of that game so quickly. Like yeah. They wanted to leave and before it even the started. The Notre Dame receivers and defensive backs worked yeah. out on the field with their shirts off before the game. Yeah. That game was over before it even started. This I mean, time, they threw a pick on the first play. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be 90 degrees, I think. That I checked the forecast yeah. before we recorded this. So Good it's gonna Hawaiian be weather. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be rocking Hawaiian? Oh, yeah. I haven't oh, even, yeah. Okay. I realized <laughs> I didn't even give a score. Um, 27-14. Uh, Notre Dame gets a few drives under their belt, maybe a few mistakes out of the way, and then they just turn it on and dominate. Uh, Notre Dame's defense is too good to give up a lot of points to this group. The only way I could see that changing is if, like I said earlier, some big plays, turnovers, freak stuff like that. I just don't really see a way Florida State puts up a bunch of points unless they catch some lucky breaks. And, uh, yeah, all that being said, Notre Dame wins 27-14. It's ugly. Um, I'm probably going to try to stay away from Twitter during the first half when we're getting just scorch earth takes about Cone or whoever. If offensive drives stall out, like the so first you're basically times saying this is going to be like Louisville 2019. Yeah, n- I mean that's like a popular opinion. I feel like now yeah. it's not anything groundbreaking, but right. um, until Notre Dame sort of gets out of that rut, the Duke game last year was also just so forgettable. It's just, but that there are so many intangibles there. Like that I, was also like I was bad. like. I was like, this might be the only game we play all season. Like at that point, I was still skeptical the rest of the season was going to happen. It almost so. was. I mean, the <laughs> yeah. South Florida game happened the next week. Yeah. And the Wake yeah. Forest, the Dukes Mayo Classic got canceled. The season yeah, was never true. the same. The Dukes Mayo Classic. Dude, somebody. So, another news point to the listeners I'm going to the Georgia Clemson game Saturday night. Somebody told me that that's the Dukes Mayo Classic this year. If that's true, then this might be a full circle thing. I haven't looked into that. Right. I'm looking it up right now. We're going. <laughs> Research is getting on it on the air. Is that accurate? Um, well, it is in Charlotte. Yes. Yeah, it is. is. It? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wait, close. wait, wait. Hold on. It's ECU versus App State and Georgia versus Clemson. 
Okay, sure. This so is what I'm seeing. So I'm, I'm at the I'm at the premier nightcap, the the the, the the you know ultimate event. So yeah, Duke's Mayo Classic coming full circle. That's one hell of a college football weekend getting Georgia Clemson. I'm so excited for that game. I'm actually so glad Notre Dame is playing on a Sunday, so mm-hmm. I can just enjoy college football all day and that get is that nice. game stress free. And then <laughs> Sunday will be just an anxiety-filled day um, up until the end. I'm actually seeing right now in the Duke's Mayo Classic Twitter, they're trying to get someone to dump mayo all over their body during college game day. It's like a real it's a real hmm. bit they're trying to do. So keep your know. eyes out. Uh, it's like the, choosing, choosing the lesser of two evils, doing that or going to Charlotte Beer Garden. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Um, well, that's all I got. You got anything more to add? No, uh, I'm I'm very excited to see Notre Dame in a real football game again, and I'm sure you all are too, but uh, we're almost there. Yep, I can't wait. So, uh, quick programming update before we go. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next Tuesday following the Florida State game to recap it all and you know talk a little bit about, hopefully, um, a 1-0 Notre Dame football team. But until then, we'll talk to you soon. 